Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is a friend of mine and some other things. So it is Maddie Tasket. Did I pronounce, I have to stop doing this on the episode. I've realized I have a trend of doing this on episode. Tasket, did I pronounce it correctly? You, yeah, perfectly. Okay, great. Uh, guys, I'll stop doing that on episode. I'll figure it out beforehand. Um, okay, so she is an author. I'm speaking it into existence. Yes, she absolutely. She is a writer. She is a speaker, a marketing specialist. Is that an appropriate way to do it? I do growth and product marketing, yeah, basically. Nobody really knows what it is it. anyway. Nobody really cares, right? <laughs> well, you have a lot of experience working within the space and doing well by it for many companies. Yes. So there is that. I'm going to call you specialist. Okay. And uh, this is one that I didn't know. You were fluent in Brazilian Portuguese and, as you said, conversational in Spanish. I love LinkedIn. See, my opal Portuguese, and I do speak a bit of Spanish. Yeah. See, I have no idea what she said, but I'm taking it that was I just Portuguese. said, yes, I speak Portuguese. <laughs> and I, you know, insulted your mother. You know, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. threw that in there. She's probably lovely, but whatever. Um, okay. Wh- why did you learn Portuguese? I was studying abroad in Brazil for, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be able to go for an entire year. And I picked Brazil because I wanted to learn a foreign language. And so all my classes were in Portuguese and I made people speak Portuguese to me. And by the end of the year that I was there, I had friends who didn't speak any English. And now my Portuguese is kind of suffering, but I, you know, I can still understand it pretty well and speak it decently. Do you feel like it was a tough one to learn or do you feel like it was one of the easier ones to learn? It was, I guess it's hard to contextualize if you haven't learned many, but. You know, I think it was easy and it wasn't because of the language that it was easy. It was easy because everybody in Brazil is so excited for you to learn Portuguese that you could say, hi, name is me or something that makes no sense. And they'll be like, you did so great. Oh my gosh, your Portuguese is perfect. Just keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love them. Everybody uses positive reinforcement. So it was just so easy to just stumble through it and fail through it and learn. So Brazilian people are, are why I learned Portuguese. I love it. Yeah. That's funny. The Whenever the job that brought me here started out with a road show that I was on with a girl from the UK from London and then a guy who was Brazilian. Hmm. So he spoke, spoke Portuguese. Uh, he was in, in the UK for a number of years, but he was from Brazil and definitely have hmm. had a good bit of exposure to different Brazilian people, but he was lovely. Like he was such a positive person. So that kind of, that kind of checks out. Cause he was just like happy. That's, yeah. that's about all. It's like, just life's good. Yeah. They're great people. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So, I do want to kind of throw almost, I don't know what the appropriate term is on this, but like a disclaimer for what we're about to talk about, which we're going to talk about something that I would get to be considered an expert in first. So yay. Uh, And then, which also is like kind of surreal to say, but it's the case. And then where we're going to go after that, of course, is what we talked about codependency. And so I feel like I should just go ahead and throw some sort of a disclaimer on here that we are going to speak about our own personal understandings and our own personal understand or experiences of this topic. We are neither one therapists or anything like that. And I feel like that's a given, but it's just worth mentioning because when we dive into that, we're going to talk about what we know about it, what we understand about it, but it doesn't, um, I guess, constitute as some sort of like therapeutic advice. So I think that's about all I have on that. Let's go to the fitness first. Okay. So how we met, I'm throwing this ball at you. How did we meet? How did we meet? Okay. I had had, um, we're not going to get like too deep into this, but I decided I wanted to get hot. This is like a year ago. And I worked with somebody who just wasn't a good fit for me. I got injured. And after that, 
I had like a change in values where instead of just wanting to get hot, basically this guy had like, he was just like a fuck boy. Can I, can I say words like You're that? You're in. Okay, cool. <laughs> he was a fuck boy. And I was like, I just wanted to like make him regret his decision. And I had a huge value change in the six months before I started looking for another trainer. And I was like, no, like that's a silly reason to want to get into shape. And I started thinking about the future a lot more. I think when you turn 30, I'm in my thirties, like I start seeing people in their sixties and seventies. And I think, oh, that's me. Like when it, when I was in my twenties, I would look at people that were older and it wouldn't feel like I would ever get to be as old as them. Mm -hmm. And now I see people that are older and I'm like, oh, you are me just on a different timeline. Mm -hmm. I started really visualizing my 60 year old self. And this is kind of woo woo, but like, I don't know. We don't really understand how the world works, how physics work. Like there's probably some area of the universe where time is all condensed into the same place. And I'm like holding hands with my 60 year old self right now. Mm -hmm. And so I imagined that. And I was like, okay, I really want to work with somebody that I really, really trust because I'm not just doing this for me. I'm doing this for 60 year old me for 70 year old me. If I get lucky enough, you know, maybe 80 or 90, depending on how long I live. Like I want her to be able to move, to be able to feel free in her body, to be able to just, be a full human no mm -hmm. matter what age she's at and so my criteria for finding a trainer changed a lot and respect and trust was the number one i saw you on one of cody sanchez's shorts shadow yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i saw you a few times and cody is somebody that i just really look up to she has just very high standards for herself and yeah. i thought if she works with claire then like i totally trust claire and uh, you had an opening and immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I, if I could be so lucky to work with you, like, that is my dream. I had you written down before that, like dream trainer, Claire Bays, if I can ever get an opening with her, like it's Which her or no one. Like <laughs> It's so cool because I never knew. And that is, I'm so grateful you shared that with me. You could have kept that to yourself. And the fact that, just thank you, keep going, but just you're like, welcome. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> And so, yeah, immediately you're like, can you start tomorrow? And I was like, absolutely. And I was, I was so scared <laughs> to start yeah, because I knew I really had to show up because it was you, you know, it wasn't somebody I found off of Craigslist or whatever. Like this was Claire Bates. Mm. Uh, and it was just wonderful to start working with you because of that respect that I already had. And then yeah. you turned out to be like, I mean, you're just such a great person. You are everything that I thought you would be mm. and more. Mm. And so it's just been a beautiful experience working with you. Thank you. I, that is the internet will forever be to me just this, like, I mean, obviously, yes, it's a weird space, right? Like there's a lot going on there and we ride the waves and sometimes we love it and sometimes we hate it and all of the above. Sure. Yes. But it is such a cool connector because even though Cody's local, I'm local, you're local, we had still never all been in the same room, but because of our access to those platforms, we were able to be introduced in that way. And that's just like something that is extremely valuable. And so, so your perspective shifted of, I want a revenge body to, I, it's not about that anymore. It's about the fact that I want to age well and I want to feel safe and not only safe, but empowered in my body over the course of time. And so then my question would be, do you enjoy it? Do I enjoy it? And maybe we should give context. Did we start in November? Uh, we started, yeah, basically late October, late October, yeah. and it is currently late February. Yes. So we've been working together for four and a half months. For, yeah. I think it's four months, like 
to the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is cool. Okay. So, and we've been, you have been wildly consistent. We have sessions a couple of times a week with one another and you have not missed a single one. Um, cannot state more profoundly how much that consistency component of any sort of lifestyle shift is everything. And you have done that, whether you were in the mood or not, you have shown up. And so one, I commend you. And two, yeah, like, how's it going so far four months in? Yeah, I mean, I love the way that you put that with consistency. Like, because my goals had shifted and because I'm thinking like, this is for my 60 year old self, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking now in decades instead of months. And so I knew that if I was gonna do this, I wanted something that I could stick to no matter what for a long amount of time. So like I said, okay, I'm gonna work with Claire twice a week and I'm gonna give Claire everything I have for twice a week. Mm-hmm. And it's it was interesting, the first couple months I would talk to, it's usually guys, and I think it's just because guys wanna be helpful and they, they wanna feel like they're competent in fitness and I totally understand. And I'm, pro- yeah. I'm sure I do this in other areas too, mm-hmm. where they'd be like, oh, how is it going? How many times a week are you like li- lifting? And I'm like, well, twice. And they'd be like, oh, you need to do so much more. Like you need to do at least three. I got this so many times. Mm-hmm. And I'd ask them, I'm like, well, how is that going for you? Oh, well, you know, I haven't been to the gym in a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, so three is optimal, but you can't stay consistent with it. And eventually I'd like to move up. Yeah. But for now it's like two, I know that I can do every single week for years, for decades, no matter what is going on in my life, like bar a major surgery or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I am feeling awful, if I've gone through a major life change, whatever, 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 I can always do twice a week. Mm-hmm. And so it's really satisfying to just be like, all right, I did it again. Mm-hmm. Like that was really hard. Maybe Claire destroyed me in that session. You know, maybe I can't walk today, but like I can see myself doing this when I'm 60, when I'm 70, like still being able to go to the gym. And that is beautiful and rewarding and like makes me feel like I'm worthy of love and care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you feel are some of the key things that you've learned in this four months that you walked in not knowing that you now feel confident that you know? Because I think one of the beautiful things about being a personal trainer that I get to play this role today is a the idea is that maybe I'd never disappear from your life and I'm down for that. But what happens if I did, have you learned something that like, that's such a big part of this is like, I think that the role that I'm in gets to be this useful tool, this resource, which is wonderful, but like you gain more and more awareness over the course of time. We talk about that all the time, you know, but so, and it doesn't even have to be much and it can be mindset or specific movement or just anything that comes up for you of like, I walked in four months ago and I did not know this and now I do. Let me think about that for a sec. Yeah. Um, first off, that's something that I love about working with you is that you always say like, hey, I'm training people so that they can go on without me. Yeah. There's so many people in so many different service areas, not even just training that are like in a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. I must hold on to you. Mm-hmm. And that makes it harder to stay with someone, ironically, right? The more somebody's willing to let you go, the more you feel comfortable and safe working with them. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that, what have I learned? Gosh, I think there's two ways to answer this question. The first is like, what have I actually physically learned technique wise, which is so much. I didn't know that a simple squat could be so complicated. Mm -hmm. I think I could do a squat right now and you could tell me things I could work on Mm -hmm. and it's improved so much over the months. Yes, it has. And that has been cool. And that is something that I wish 
I could tell other people that are starting off, mm-hmm. please just go talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I tried this stuff a few years ago without a trainer and I didn't know why it didn't feel right. I didn't know why I wasn't getting results. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why it would sometimes hurt. And it was just because it's the mechanics of it that aren't necessarily natural. And it's so nice to have somebody who knows what they're doing, walk me through things and teach me how to move my body in a way that I can take with me for decades. Mm-hmm. Like. It's so cool that I can spend like a year working with you and then for decades, my body will move better and I will be healthier for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then as far as like a more big picture level, what I've learned is that like anybody can do it. Anybody can get into good shape. Mm -hmm. It is science. Mm -hmm. It is not woo woo. It is not like somebody comes and blesses you. Sure, we all have our own genes, Mm -hmm. but we can all play the cards we have and use them to our advantage to create the body that fits our genes, the body that fits us. And and you can learn. Like, if even if it was me and I'm 20 years old and I'm completely broke, I think there are ways to learn how to have good mechanics on the budget that I have. And I've learned that I can do it and maybe anybody can do it, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, speaking of genes... We like the way that ours fit. Yeah. I'm going to rat you out. One of the ones that you said the other day that I love so much is you were like doing these side plank things that I have you doing that I just, I hate them. You hate them. We all hate them. And, uh, but they're so good. And you were like, that's my silhouette. Like on the floor, like you saw your shadow and you were like, uh, what? And then you've been able to be like, I like the way that my jeans fit. Yeah. Okay, so I do these vision boards at the beginning. At like every birthday, I do a vision board for that year of my life. And I think it was three years ago, I had get in shape. And it was a girl and she was like running up some bleachers and she had this great ass. And We love a good ass around here. We do. <laughs> and back then, three years ago, I didn't realize that she got that ass not through running, but through weightlifting. Um, and now I'm like, that's what I thought when I was doing those side planks. It's like, oh. That is her ass. The girl from my vision board three years ago. Yes. yes. <laughs> she didn't get it from running. She got it from this. Oh and I gosh. have that ass that was on my vision board. Which I have to also ask you, this is very pertinent to the past 24 hours. I had her do a movement yesterday that I have not yet had her do. So we finally worked up to we are like barbell hip thrusting. Like we have, we have made some freaking headway. We are doing box jumps, box jump over. Like we are crushing it. Uh, and, and we're doing the box jumps, by the way, this is just kind of a tangent for me. We're doing those at a low volume to work on this explosiveness and things like that, but we're not doing high volume of those just for full disclosure. That's not what we're doing. Anyway. Um, you're like, okay, whatever. I don't know. I just do what you tell me to do. So I'm just saying I'm not having you do high volume of them. Uh, but we are learning how to land safely. And, and so a little bit goes a long way. Anyway, how, did you feel any ty- any type of soreness or anything? And it's okay if no, but we did something that worked on her glute media specifically that we have not yet done. And so I'm just curious, how like how are we feeling the next day? I just flex them right now and I can definitely feel it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay, I love it. And would that be one that you, you said that one side versus the other in the moment, you were like, I definitely feel it more over here than I do over here. Uh, but the trust is so there. This actually makes me want to bring up, and I promise we're going to move on to all some other fun topics, but this is just, I love this. Um, one of the other fun things that you, we got to do together was work through, like you said, you came in and you had trust, which I, I'm so grateful for. And I definitely always say when people come in, like, let me be your coach. Like, let me actually be your coach. Let me do my job. Not all the other things you think you want to do, just those things. And let's iterate on that for a bit. And you have been like, willing to do the work and it's been so 
cool to watch. Uh, and I also don't believe I have this thing perfectly figured out. And so there was an experience that we had where it was like a questioning of a mm. specific thing we were doing. And it was, I think this is really cool. And I actually talked to this to Tara on her episode. I didn't specifically reference you, but guys, if you were listening to that one and now you're here, then it's us. Uh, but it was cool because you were able to say to me, like there was enough safety and trust in the relationship, which cannot be understated or undervalued that you as the client could say, I'm questioning this thing that you're having me do. I'm not sure that I feel like this is safe, right? And do you do you want to add anything to that before I just keep rocking with it? Keep going with it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, and what was so cool in that experience was that then you were able to articulate that to me and I was able to receive that and go, okay, can you tell me why, like what is informing that opinion? And you were able to share with me specifically why you had come to that perspective at that moment and then I was able to share from there okay well here is where I'm taking my information from that's telling me that this is why we're doing we're doing this thing this way for this reason blah and so I gave you the specific references and so on and then I said I want you to go take a look at your like I want you to look further into it and like does it resonate with you because if you are so like if this is too uncomfortable like we don't actually have to do that thing and we can still get tremendous headway made in our overall fitness it's just so, so it was a really, I think it was cool because it was for both of us that you could trust me and feel safe enough to say that there and feel confident enough in your own, like, I don't have to just agree with everything all the time. I can be curious. I can question things. Mm -hmm. And then for me to receive it and go, okay, all I know to do is give you the evidence that I have that's supporting my opinion. And then from there, I get to be open to other perspective. Bring me new information. Let's take a look at this. Does this make the most sense for you? I do not believe that I have the perfect sauce, you know? And so then we came, we both did a little bit of re and came back together. And like, I just think that's, um, that's a cool example of like collaboration through any type of relationship, whether it's a client, you know, or not. Def yeah. Definitely. It brings to mind two things that if anybody's listening, who's thinking about working with a personal trainer that I wish I had done the first time I hired someone. Mm. And so the first time it wasn't a good fit. And looking back at things that I could have done better, I didn't trust them fully, but I also didn't choose to put my trust in them. With you, I made the choice to put mm. trust in you. Mm -hmm. If I had put my trust in the first trainer, it might've gone a lot better because I was thinking that I knew better when I didn't know anything. Um, so yeah, my advice, if, if you're listening and you're thinking about hiring somebody is hire someone that you trust and just give them trust and see how that goes. Cause that's really helped me working with you mm -hmm. because you do know way more than me. And then you knowing that you have my trust, like probably helps us work better together in yeah. so many ways too. Yeah. Cause you feel empowered to try things and do things that you think are best for me. And you'll know that I'll go with it. Yeah. And then as far as being able to question, I, I also want to say to you listening, if you're thinking of hiring somebody like. I didn't question my first trainer either because I was scared. I was scared to trust and I was scared to question. And maybe if I had done both of those, it would have gone a lot better. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's something that I had to learn through failure on my end. Mm -hmm. So it's so great to be able to bring things up with you and to learn. Yeah. 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 And I, and the questions are their curiosity is just so wildly underrated. It's just such a valuable tool. Uh, and, and, so I just commend you for doing that. I do want to ask what, if you were to compare your, so your goals coming in were very clearly, I want to be able to trust my body when I'm 60 plus and have your goals with your fitness changed at all. And if not, that's okay. But are they still what they were? What are they right now? They still are mostly the same. Okay. That still is what driving me. Like even when I see the silhouette of my butt being good, mm-hmm. 
I noticed other things like the other day I sat up and it was easy for me to sit up. I was sitting up in a way that required a lot of ab strength mm -hmm. and I would have struggled before and I didn't struggle at all. It felt like air, like moving air. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, I'm more capable. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. I think right now I want to focus on we've been gaining muscle. I'd like to get my fat percentage down a bit. Mm -hmm. And that's on me. I haven't been counting my macros before this month. Mm -hmm. I haven't been counting my calories before this month. Uh, and so that's a current goal. And I must say something else that I've loved working with you is having a calorie goal. Mm -hmm. I used to think that calorie counting was a road to an eating disorder mm -hmm. when I was younger. And now that I have a goal, like I need to hit this number. Can I share like what that number is? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so, this is very, these are all individualized numbers. This is based on her age, height, weight, current lifestyle. Like there's a lot of variables. And then this is all a guess because her total daily cal uh, like expenditure is going to change day by day. So this is her current one. And this will not be your exact one just for disclaimer on that. Yeah. And to add to that too, I went and got a DEXA scan mm -hmm. and they gave me like a calorie expenditure. Like, and I said, Hey, this is my coach's goal for me, so the, your goal for me is 1900, does this match what you're saying as well? And they said, yes, it does, mm. based on all the stuff that we have. So the number makes sense for me, the number is 1900 calories. And what I noticed is actually, it's been so healthy for me to have that number in mind, because I had a pattern where I would eat a lot fewer than 1900, mm -hmm. and then I would eat a lot more than 1900. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stay stable, it was like depriving myself and then just going all in and not being able to control myself at all because I deprived myself so much that I was like starving myself, you know? Yep. I wasn't even aware of it. Yep. So it's been really cool to be like, oh, I'm now getting this healthy relationship with food. And then the weight will slowly, not the weight, but like the fat will slowly, you know, come off. Not that there's that much that needs to come off. I just have a goal that I want to yeah, hit. Totally. And it's lovely to see, again, it's like science. And we're just enacting on science <laughs> as long as I follow the science, like, It'll get there. And it's so mm -hmm. cool. I love that. I think it definitely is something that we have to approach with care and every situation is different and every individual is different. Their relationship with any sort of numerical metric is all different, you know, and that's what it is beautiful to reframe this thing and one, make the awareness of like, you probably need more than you. Like if we, if you weren't building the awareness before you were probably under and then over that makes sense. That's because what most commonly occurs. And then also to just take a look at it and go, this is simply data, you know, and it's not, this is a forever lifestyle thing that I'll count for the rest of my life, but I need to build some awareness and data as a beautiful tool to do that. And at the end of the day, the idea behind calories, that is the energy that you intake. So like it is the measurement of energy via food that you are intaking, right? So it's just data. And then it gives us this awareness. And then you and I know that from there, protein prioritization is going to be our primary focus. And uh, we get a lot more nuanced as we get deeper in, but it is a cool thing to be able to like work together on that today too. Mm -hmm. And you just said something that's important as well, which is like, it gets more nuanced as we get further into it. Mm -hmm. Something that's been great about working with you and I've applied to other areas of my life since we started working together is like, you just start simple. When I did my first squat, you weren't being like, okay, you know, knees out, chest up, get lower, you know, all these things. No, you're like, okay, this is great. Let's just try tweaking this one tiny thing. Mm -hmm. That's all we're going to focus on this week. Yep. Next week is the next thing. Next thing is the next week. Same with nutrition, right? Okay. Now I'm just counting my calories and my protein. Yep. When we're ready for it to get more complicated and it makes it so easy to make it sustainable so that 60-year-old Maddie 
can just have it going on. Can freaking thrive. Yeah. And here's what I love as the coach. Let me just tell you, because this is what's so cool is, you know, I, I was showing up in a facility and just for anyone listening who isn't aware, and I promise we're going to move on from here. And I, I love how compliment, like, thank you. And then also this is just such a real account of somebody on their wellness journey who's crushing it. And that's why I want to get really practical here of like, here's what this actually looks like. That's why we're diving as deep as we are not to do some sort of like marketing of this thing, you know, even though that's what she's so good at. <laughs> yeah. I actually just want to say something really quick. Like I, I know that I've only said blowing things about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not this way with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I just genuinely think you're fantastic. And I just want everybody to know. And I've learned so much. Yeah. So it's it's all just coming from a very, very genuine place. Yeah. And, and it, it's a trajectory. And so the, you know, for like I, for anybody who's listening, you know, I didn't even go to a gym until I was in my 20s, right? And had no awareness around nutrition either. And so all of this stuff has been so gradual personally. And I was showing up in a facility for so many years where people were attempting to instill belief in me. And I did not have the capacity to see what they could see, you know? And it took years for me to finally buy in. I mean, so many years of I will never be, I will never be. And then once finally the right person said the right thing and I had shown up for long enough that I started to buy in. And so it's been so beautiful. This makes me think of another friend. I'm totally just going to say it right now. Alita. Hi friend. Uh, a friend of mine who it's been beautiful to watch her journey over the last couple of years and to speak into her, what I already see within her that she, as she stands right now, as she's been on this weight loss journey and she's been, and she's been so public about it. It's been beautiful to watch on social media, but to remind her, she's already a pillar in the space. You know, she doesn't, she's growing her belief in self actively as we all are, but I just see there, I'm like, Oh, I, I remember maybe what that, that felt like looked like. And you don't, you're not bought in on your capacity to do X, Y, Z yet. But as a coach who's been there, done it, I'm like, Oh, I see what's coming. I see what's possible. I see where we can go. Mm. And so with you, same thing. It's I'm excited because we're four months in and there's been slight shifts and I cannot wait because what is accessible to you is already, you know, I mean, it was something as simple as the box jump stuff when we got there, mm -hmm. you know, of like, that sure would be nice to maybe ever be a person who could feel comfortable doing this specific thing. And now we're already doing it better than we thought that yeah. we could, you know? And so it's just, it's fun to play out over the course of time for my brain to go, man, what we can access for you if you want it, uh, is like potentially unfathomable right now. Yeah. That's it's, cool. It's so cool. I never thought I could do box jumps. I know it's <laughs> for some people listening that might seem simple, but for me, it just wasn't. And now it's something that's possible and that's beautiful to go from impossible to possible in a matter of months. I think it'll actually be more relatable for more people than not. I don't know what the percentages will necessarily be, but I think there will be realistically more people that will identify with the, the, this is probably outside of the scope of something that I would feel comfortable doing right now, um, than are. So it's, well, it's cool. Then yeah, if, if that's you, like <laughs> never thought that would be me. Box jump scared the heck out of me and now they don't. It's awesome. I've got a question for you before we move on. Okay. Uh, you had mentioned being the kind of person who just didn't think that, you know, your identity wasn't like fit girl. You didn't think that would ever be you. I can relate so hard to that. And I have friends and uh, people that are close to me that I know feel that way so deeply. And we're talking about how you go through phases of learning to believe that you're capable. Have you seen anything that can take people from that first stage into just starting to get into it? From the first stage of, of like where I don't think I'm capable. I'm just not athletic. I've never done this before. Those people are just genetically different than me. You, you know, we all have these voices in our heads 
that say, oh, it's too late for me is another one. Ah, what do you think takes people from that to just opening the door at all? Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of things. Um, sufficient inspiration, if you will, is helpful. If the right person gets it, I mean, we're the sum of the five around us concept. So that's, you know, if you get, if you get surrounded by people who believe in themselves, you're going to start to believe in yourself. If you get surrounded by people who are morbidly obese, you are significantly more likely to be morbidly obese. Maybe we would just say obese period because that checks too. Uh, so there's that. One is what are my surroundings and what I can definitely do to improve my perspective of my own capacity, get around people who have a perspective their, of their own capacity that you desire. That would be one. And then the other reality is that pain is a beautiful motivator. And so can you get uncomfortable enough with your current reality? And it doesn't even have to be misery. It can just be absolute indifference. That's pretty uncool, right? Like if I look at my life and I'm like, I don't hate it, but I don't really like it either. Well, that's shit. Mm-hmm. And so get pissed off about that. I mean, get like get something behind that and get enough desire under your belt to just do something different. I think that pain... You know, and so maybe it is that indifference is painful enough. For me, it was the pain of I, you know, I, I grew up around morbid obesity and that was within my family and I couldn't do it. I started to gain weight and my weight fluctuated all over the place and I was just unwilling to accept that reality. To me, that concept of that quality of life that I had watched play out at close proximity was something that was rather unbearable to me. And so pain, you know, is a motivator in a way. So those are a couple of thoughts is, is, uh, And so maybe you do play it out. You know, maybe somebody who's sitting there not yet motivated enough because things aren't bad yet. Um, Read Forever Strong by Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Read Outlive by Dr. Peter Atiyah. Read Outlive by Dr. Peter Atiyah. I mean, it's the whole thing is around how to age well. And he gives you a very clear picture of what certain behaviors in your 20s, 30s, 40s, will look like in your 60s, 70s, if you make it to your 80s. It is a very clear picture of the inevitable doom if you don't start to implement positive behavior. So I know that sounds so bad, right? But like, you, what motivated you was the, I want 60-year-old me to be capable, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it's really easy when you're in your 20s, 30s, maybe even teens, if there's, you know, but to not think about those things. Like certainly when you were in your 20s, you weren't thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. And so... I have turned my gaze more and more to longevity as I get older too, because I do want to be as capable as possible as long as possible. I want to avoid injury as best as possible, things like that. As a person who trains, I have to take into consideration avoidance of injury, right? Because now I'm choosing to put myself in an environment where that could happen, which by the way, living means you, it could happen. But how do I train optimally to not get injured? I want to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who really likes to do fun, hard things that can, you got to think about stuff sometimes. Um, And so for them, gain more awareness, take a look down the road. Like are my current behaviors ones that are going to equate to a good quality of life 10, 20, 30 years from now, or are the current behaviors that I have ones that are going to cause me to be in a situation that is an extreme uphill battle and one that I don't want to fight. Mm -hmm. And is that pain sufficient motivation? No one gets to make that decision for you. And I'm certainly not telling you what to do. Really. I'm just saying that those are some motivators that seem to work. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, real quick before I move on. <laughs> there is uh, an interview for you, Maddie. <laughs> one more. Okay, last thing. Yeah. Um, 
I saw somewhere that like people that use the TikTok aging filters on themselves and see themselves age, treat themselves better now in the present because they can relate to the person in the future and they start making decisions now for that person. So just visualizing yourself as an older person, seeing a picture of it will help you to make better long-term decisions, which is kind of what you were just saying. I thought yeah. that was so fascinating. And I think you do a really good job based on your vision boards and things like that. You really do. You said you are holding hands with the 60 year old version of yourself. So I think you do a good job of that. It's just like, I've got another one-to-one client right now that she journals like a lot, you know? Mm. And I asked her what was her first step because she's, she's dealt with a lot of mental health battles and so on historically. And so I asked her like, what did she start? What were the steps that she started to take to climb out of that hole? Mm -hmm. And for her, it was journaling. Well, it was never journaling for me. Not that I never, ever wrote anything. That's not true, but that wasn't a big tool for me. You write a lot, you Mm -hmm. know? So I think it's cool to look at just because the tools that I picked up were social support, you know, every single time I made a huge shift in my, whether it was my, you know, alcoholism journey or anything like that, like it was, uh, social support was my first turn being this highly social creature. That's Mm -hmm. just the one I pick up every time. It doesn't have to be the only one that exists or the one that resonates with you. It can be journaling. It can be visualization of, I love that because we get options. Yeah, it's so true. We do. Okay. All right. So now I do want to get a little bit of context into, because we're going to head into, like I said, the super fun topic of codependency. But before we go there, uh, and, and thank you for sharing all of this and being willing to be vulnerable about your journey with your fitness, because it's going to be so relatable and it's going to be genuinely impactful for people. It's so nice to know that there are other humans out there, you know? Definitely. Yeah. So thank you. Um, okay. So I do want to know, just give me a bit of childhood context for you before we head straight into fun stuff. Oh man. Okay. So there's, I guess there's two parts with everything I want to say today. There's two parts. So part of it is my childhood and part of it, you know what, like maybe it doesn't even matter, which I know is a weird answer, but, uh, I've been going to 12 step rooms for the last four years or so. And I listen to shares and I go sometimes into 12 step rooms with like uh, narcotics, alcoholics, substance abuse. And I hear them say, hey, these things happened with my family. I hear other people say, hey, I had a really normal family. I think this is maybe just genetic. And so we can look at my childhood, but we can also just say, you know what, maybe no matter what, maybe I was just predisposed to this and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm broken. It doesn't mean that anybody else is broken who has this. We're all just these imperfect people. Like people are just so weird, you know? If y'all didn't already know you love Maddie, you figured it out just now. (laughs) That is so, uh, the agency you just took just now in that simple, wow. Yep. Okay. Keep going. Thanks. Uh, But as far as my childhood, uh, my parents divorced when I was two. I was raised by a single dad. He's awesome. I love him to death. He did the best he could. He came from an abusive household. I did not grow up in an abusive household, like, but I'm just saying like he had stuff he was trying to overcome and he did very well. Mm But I just felt alone so much in my childhood. My dad coped with his childhood by being a workaholic. He was working these crazy hours. My mom wasn't there. She lived a few states away. And I was just completely and utterly isolated for a lot of my childhood. And I think due to that, I didn't know how to relate to people. So I became codependent. And a common misconception about codependency is that you latch onto someone and make them your entire world which is one piece of it, but another piece of it is being hyper-independent, where I could just go without seeing people for months on end. I traveled the world for three years and I did like a year of it completely solo, which I can't think is healthy in any way, shape or form. But I was like, I'm not codependent because I don't need people. I'm doing this thing alone, like in a completely foreign country. Look how strong I am. Totally. Uh, And I mean, it was cool. And 
part of it was strength, but what's really being strong is learning how to be in community, being how to connect, like learning how to connect with somebody. Because I'd say that even when you are the kind of codependent person that just latches onto someone and makes them your whole world, you're also not connecting to them either. It's learning how to have connection that is what makes you healed and what makes you codependent is being unable to have a healthy connection with others whether or not that's too far or too close this is so cool i'm so glad we're having this conversation already okay. uh so this makes me think of the pendulum swing mm-hmm. that we can so often use that analogy in life and so you're going through the i'm traveling a solo look at me i don't need people <laughs> to being you know so uh, because we headed straight to you, you very rapidly threw together the the childhood which i just love like this ain't nobody else's stuff, you know, like, because then it's not their problem. It's not their fault. Mm -hmm. Now I can do something with this. Mm -hmm. And so that's so powerful. And that speaks to the work that you've been doing for sure. Yeah. And there's something that I remind myself of sometimes when I get into self pity, which we all do. It's like, maybe this isn't my fault, but this is my responsibility, Mm -hmm. which is also super empowering because then it's my response. Like if it's my responsibility, I have the power to do whatever I can about it. And to let go of everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to read real quick, just as we head into this, the Merriam-Webster definition of codependency. Cool. Just for context. So it, and of course there are different definitions out there. This is just the one that came straight from Merriam-Webster. And this one, <laughs> I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so just bear with us here. A, and then I'm curious too, because you probably have heard many other definitions and upon doing some research for this brief research for this podcast episode, I was like, if only it, all I've learned here is there is such conflict of information, opinion, all of that out there. You know, it's real. It's not real. It's completely fabricated. Here's all the data on it. You know, I mean, you name it. It's just like, hmm. wait, what? Uh, so it was interesting to try to find anything concrete on the topic, mm-hmm. but there are a few different versions of evidence that we have in our personal experiences, definitely one of them. So anyway, Miriam Webster, a psychological condition or a relationship in which a person manifesting low self-esteem and a strong desire for approval has an unhealthy attachment to another person, often controlling or manipulative. I'd say that's a good piece of it. Okay. For sure. I'd say a problem with that definition is that if you are codependent and you are just starting to learn about it, one of the main symptoms of codependence is denial. I didn't know I had low self-esteem until I was years into my recovery journey. (laughs) I thought, well, I love myself. Mm. What I didn't realize is I didn't respect myself. And that's where the difference was. I think loving yourself is one thing. Treating yourself and your actions with respect is another. I also agree that a big part of codependency is latching onto somebody else and making them your whole world because maybe you don't hmm, this is this is I don't want to like mince my words here I've had this thought about anybody who has an addiction when they get recovery they might feel like they're boring for a while I love boring because yes yes <laughs> and I we would talk about this in person all the time I, <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and I would go to shares shares are when people in 12-step meetings share their journey about how they went from addiction to recovery and it, these would be people that had been re- in recovery for decades and they'd say I finally have a normal life now and at the beginning of my recovery I thought oh my god I don't want that at all I want a big life mm-hmm. and I would pray to my higher power at night and I'd say 
you know, God, what is your will for me? And I'd want God to be like, you were meant to change the world. Like you were meant to, you know, throw the ring into Mordor to whatever, whatever, whatever. And instead the voice that I would hear would say, uh, sleep more tomorrow, floss, be kind to yourself. It was all these small things. And I would just be like, come on, God, like, where's my big purpose? And then eventually I realized a normal life sounded so bad to me because my addiction was my entire personality that I thought that a normal life was when I took the addiction away. And if my addiction was my entire personality, if you take away the addiction, there's nothing left there. Does that make sense? I know that this is kind of confusing. No. Okay. What I want to ask ask next is just because concepts are important and then the real nitty gritty is also so helpful to contextualize, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, my first question is in your own personal experience, how, like at what point did you arrive at the awareness that this was something that you wanted to take a look at? Like why, Mm. why did you even go there? Why did I even go there? There are, are probably so many different moments. The one that stands out is I was in a really terrible relationship when I was 22, where this guy, my friend referred to him as like a handbag boyfriend, where he treated me like a handbag and not a girlfriend. Mm. Like I was an accessory. I thought he might be the handbag. This just shows how <laughs> dominant I can, oh my God. I, I wish, actually, no, I don't wish because that would also be terrible. Yeah, no, but, it's not good. I've done it. Um, Yeah, like I was his handbag. I don't, I don't think he liked me at all. I think I was just like, a, oh, look, she's pretty. Like, look who I have on my shoulder. And that relationship totally broke me, even though I wasn't in love with him. I was super depressed. I was crying all the time. I like asked to be put on uh, antidepressants. And luckily, the guy that I saw was like, I think we can work through this other ways. And we did. Uh, but six months after that, I went and I confronted that guy. And I was like, I don't think you ever cared about me. And he was like, you're right. I didn't ever care about you. And do you think that you might be codependent? The guy said that. The guy said that, which I guess, thank you for What that. a gift. I know, right? Like, yep. thank you for admitting you never cared about me. That was the truth. That was honest. Yes. And thank you for asking me that question. And I was like, I'm definitely not codependent. And it's like me, that voice just rattled around in the back of my head for years. And I was in a different relationship and I was struggling to set boundaries. And I'm like, maybe I should go start looking into this. And went to a therapist. She didn't know what codependency was. So it took me a couple more years. And I eventually, I started seeing a therapist that had been in 12-step rooms for Al-Anon. And that's uh, related to alcoholics. Uh, It's like for people that are partners of alcoholics or children of alcoholics. And she was saying, you know, this sounds like codependency. And these rooms have really helped me. Not saying you should look into it, but if it sounds good to you, you might give it a try. And that's so that first therapist that you were going to, did you ask them, like, did you say, Hey, this guy told me one time that I had codependency. What do you think? Like, did you use that word with that first therapist? And did they, how did that go? If so, I don't know. Okay. I know that I said, Hey, I don't know how to set boundaries Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know what I'm doing at all. And I just need help. And I saw like a coach after that, when I was traveling and I asked her about codependency and I can't remember her response. Hmm. Yeah interesting yeah definitely like leads me to the whole when working with a therapist thing that that in my own experience you know I've worked with more than one and it definitely the one I have seen the most success with is a woman that I respect a lot Mm. and she has something that I want 
mm-hmm. you know, a healthy family and a number of different things. And that seems to have made that relationship be really positive. Whereas I've, I've worked with others in the past where I didn't feel that they had anything I wanted. And so I don't know, I don't know yet again, not an expert on how you figure that out, but yet like consistently when I think of practitioners that I work with in any sort of medical, anything like that, chiropractor, physical therapist, doesn't matter. I'm taking all those things into consideration all the time. And that's just my perspective, but I want you to have something I want in that domain. If I'm going to pick a coach in a personal training capacity, I kind of want them to have something I want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, just, I don't know. It's just something to think about with that. I wonder. Yeah. And part of the reason it worked out with the therapist who got me to go to a 12 step room is because she had been through a lot of the same stuff that I had. Our childhoods look similar. Her relationship history looks similar. She struggled through so much and she had a happy marriage. She had a good life. She was successful in her career. Mm -hmm. She was grounded. I'm like, oh, you have the recovery that I seek. Yep. And you're so right in everything in life. It's like, if you take someone as your mentor, do they have what you're seeking? Yep. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned that you came to starting to learn about it and you were thinking, I'm a, I'm a person that loves myself, but you did not feel like you were a person or you came to understand that you were not respecting yourself. Yeah. So sounds like setting boundaries was one of the ways in which you could identify that you were not respecting yourself. Yeah. You know, it started really small. It, I think it was sparked. And of course there's probably millions of moments it was sparked throughout my life. Right. But the one that I remember is I had broken up with this guy in 2019. He was a lovely person. And he was like, I think that you betrayed me. And that hit me so hard. And Mm. I really thought about it. And uh, I wrote him a letter, like a five page letter. And it took me two weeks to draft being like, these are all the things that I fucked up and I'm taking full responsibility. And if we never get back together, these are the things that I'm going to do to like make amends to you anyway. And one of those was just learning how to respect myself. And so I started small. I said, I'm going to floss every day for a year, mm. <laughs> which I know is such a small thing. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> Any small action compounds tremendously. Anyway, I mean, I'm like, No, that's not small to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I did it for a year. And then it's like, if I can floss for a year, what else can I do? And what was cool is a couple of years later, my little sister was flossing and I didn't remember her flossing that much. And she's like, I saw you floss every day for a year. And I thought, well, maybe I can do it too. And that just like, oh, that really hit me. It was Mm -hmm. so cool. And Mm -hmm. so that helped also help me respect myself. Okay. Other people are watching. Like my little sister's watching. How can I show up more for myself? And I don't know, one thing just compounds onto another, onto another, and just to another. And since even since I've started working out, that amount of self-love that it takes to commit to something twice a week, every single week, has bled into other areas of my life where a couple times in the last seven days, I've had friends be like, how did you set that boundary with that person so effortlessly? Can you like teach me how to do that? And I'm like, this is new in the last three months that I've learned how to do this. Yeah. Okay. So then let's go because the set boundary thing has come up a number of times already. So then let's go to that since that seems to be a powerful tool in your tool belt for life when it comes to, because of course with the codependency thing, you know, it's like, okay, how did I identify that this was something that I was dealing with? But then like, why am I choosing to live any differently? You know, cause you could just like, Oh, and I see that you exist here and my life's fine. I'm just going to accept you and move along. But like there was some sort of discomfort with the concept for you. You weren't happy with it enough to say, okay, I have to make some changes Mm. in order to take back some of that agency over my own life. Am Mm. I kind of putting that together correctly? Yeah. Are you trying to ask like what sparked the need for boundaries? Well, a couple of different questions. One is 
what is set about what is setting a boundary look like to you now setting a boundary to me now is something that i do to care for myself that feels slightly uncomfortable so for example somebody one of my good friends invited me to a comedy show last night but i've been going to bed early so i can wake up so i can write my book and just lovingly being like i'm writing this book i can't do this after 8 p.m i hope you have a great time for some people that's so easy for me saying no to somebody that i care about was so hard i felt anxious about it Mm -hmm. and that's a win for me Yep. It's, it's, it's small stuff. It's just saying no to people in a kind and loving way. It's clarity and kindness. Boundaries are clarity and kindness. Mm-hmm. And they're really hard to do. And I struggle with them every day. For some reason, as human beings, it's so hard for us to be both. Yeah. So you said no to your friend because it was after 8 p.m. And you have this other priority right now, which is write your book, which mm-hmm. by the way, we haven't even talked about, but I think <laughs> it's so cool. And you were writing at a pace that is, I can't even, I, I have no, I've never written anything really you know i've journal you know <laughs> yeah. and so all i know is you you tell me how many words writing and i'm like oh my gosh um i'm so proud of you thank you yeah i can't wait to see how this unfolds over the course of time but so when you said that even last night as somebody who's multiple years into your journey of understanding that this exists wanting to do something differently starting to implement boundaries like even last night you bring this up because there was some point of discomfort with the no yeah And so I have a goal at the beginning of the year, I set a goal for myself that says like, I call it bitch school. I like enrolled myself into bitch school and every single day it pops up on my phone as a goal to be a bitch every single day. And at the end of the day, it reminds me and I have to check it off. Was I a bitch today? Girl, this is funny because you are literally the sweetest person on the planet. Exactly. I'm literally the sweetest person on the the planet, which is why I have that goal. I heard uh, a year or two ago that you can't truly be kind unless you have teeth. And when I heard that, I thought, I don't have any teeth and I don't know how to get them. So bitch school is my way of getting teeth. It doesn't mean being actually a bitch. It just means saying no to things after 8 p.m. It also means things like if I see somebody hurting themselves, I will bring it up if they're a good friend instead of letting that slide. It doesn't mean nagging them. It doesn't bring mean like bringing that up multiple times, but it means saying uncomfortable things to people. Yep. It means when somebody hurts me, I have the courage to be like, hey, this thing made me feel this way. Maybe it's a story I'm making up in my head, but I think we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is super freaking hard. And like, I've lost a couple friends in the last couple of years from it. But most of my friendships that I've had these conversations with have gotten so much stronger mm-hmm. because that's how you forge friendships is through boundaries. Right. Well, and it leads me back to the whole respect self thing. It was like, that was where you embarked uh, on a more broad level of like, wow, I realize I'm not necessarily an individual who respects myself. How am I going to start to take some actions that are going to let me respect myself? And it looked like I'm going to start to floss my teeth every day. And then it grew from there. But it definitely makes me think of, you know, Jordan Peterson is the one that comes to mind the most in regards to, you know, in his 12 rules for life, the honesty piece being there. And like the, the, one of the whole, one of the 12 rules is, is I don't remember the specific words uh, if you do say so, but mm. either way, it's about not lying. It's about being honest no mm. matter what. And, and, you know, he gives examples regularly in interviews that he does with his significant other, his wife, you know, about ways in which they are honest in their marriage and, and just in life. And he just speaks about that approach to life with such conviction. And I love it mm-hmm. because I continue to step more and more. Now, I don't think I struggle so much with the being 
sassy pants girl. Yeah. I think I'm actually not too bad. I'm jealous. I, I need some of that. Oh my, it's like, I've told you some of the things that pop up out of my mouth. At I people love it. And I'm like, what, that, what are you doing? <laughs> that was anyway. But, uh, but so honesty is something that I just, I love it. Cause we can look at it through the lens of like, this is going to help like for, for this context, it's, this is going to positively impact my relationships with others if I'm honest with them. Mm-hmm. But it all started with it's got to positively impact my relationship with myself. Yes. If I can't be honest with myself, I can't be honest with you. And I'm doing everyone a disservice by having no teeth. Yeah. I'm doing myself a disservice. And I'm doing the rest of the world. It's just, it's been really fun in being alongside you in this journey of trying to get better at life. Right. And we talk about stuff all the time and I love our conversations, but it's just like, I, I can't comfortably lie to people anymore, Yeah, you know, or to myself. And so how do you tactfully, respectfully convey a message? Yeah. But don't lie. Yeah. And that's the next part is how do you tactfully, respectfully convey a message? I heard once that clarity without kindness is cruelty. So honesty without kindness is also not cool. Something that was really hard for me when I first started recovering from codependency was that I had no boundaries. People could walk all over me. My friend, very good friend, so she can say this, she called me doormat girlfriend. And I'm glad she did because then I became aware of it. And we joke about it to this day. Um, I'm like, okay, well, if you go from no boundaries to setting a boundary, your boundary is probably going to be like a red line boundary. So like if you think of boundaries as colors, there's like green boundaries, which is just like oh, you know, I'm working on this book. I hope you have a great time. Then there's yellow boundary, which I can't think, but like red boundary would be like, I can't do that. Don't ask me again. It would be like very- How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. I only knew how to do red boundaries because I'd never done boundaries again. And so if it was me looking back at myself five years ago, I'd just be like, okay, you're setting boundaries for the first time. It's okay if they all go red. It's okay if you fuck it completely up because Mm -hmm. you're learning. Mm -hmm. And eventually, the more you practice, the more you're going to learn how to use subtlety. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you're going to learn, and I'm speaking to myself, so eventually I'm going to learn how to have boundaries that like people won't even know a boundary has been set because it's so subtle. And that's the goal. I love that. We were having a conversation just yesterday even about the whole like late night stuff and how... (laughs) We were talking about how at this point people don't even invite me places, you know, yeah. certain places. I get invited to lots of things that I actually want to attend and it's so freaking fun and I'm so grateful for my life, period. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I like get to go to so many cool things. I'm like, how is this? How is this my life? But people don't invite me to the thing that's happening at midnight at whatever. Like they don't even try because I'm not going, you know, and mm-hmm. it's and, and what's so cool is I have so many relationships with so many people who are going to events like that at that time of day, whatever. And for full context yet again, this is like. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. Right. And so like, I'm not going to be going to like, like if it's a massive drug induced, whatever, like I'm probably not going cause it's not like a safe environment for me. Right. And it's not from judgment. It's just mm-hmm. like, I got to take care of me over here, you know? Uh, so with that, <laughs> I just, I love it because it's natural. Like it's not even, and, and the friends that I have that choose to go and do whatever they do and they don't invite me because there's lots of things that people do and they don't invite me to. Mm-hmm. They invite me to the things that they know that I might stand a chance to want to be involved in and they don't invite me to other stuff. And and we have great relationships. And mm-hmm. I like I love I love these people that I'm thinking of and these like I, it's it's not lacking of love. It's just like an understanding of like, oh, it's just kind of the realm that she hangs out in and this just just kind of the realm that she just doesn't hang out in. 
Yeah. And something about that that's good to know too is when I was first learning how to set, how to set boundaries, I didn't have any, right? So all the, not all, but most of the people in my life were used to taking advantage of the fact that I didn't have any boundaries. Mm -hmm. So when I first started setting boundaries, it was the hardest part because people would push back. Oh, what do you mean you're not drinking tonight? Come on, just one. Or, oh, come on, let's go out late. Like you love to dance. It would make you happy. You're, uh, what's the word? Inhibiting yourself, like, and your happiness by like saying no to going out late. They made it seem like I was doing something bad for myself and it had to, it took a lot of strength to just be like, oh, actually, I know what's best for myself. And I'm still working through that. I mean, you and I talked about that yesterday where I do get guilted into things still. Um, well, not I, I don't say yes anymore. I still feel guilty, but I still say no now. Yeah. But I think that the hardest part was the very beginning because everyone in my life was used to me having no boundaries and it benefiting them. So every boundary that I set was pushed back upon. And since I wasn't strong in it yet, it was the hardest freaking part. But now that I'm getting used to it and people are like, oh, she won't she won't budge. Her boundaries are her boundaries is becoming the opposite where I'm starting to attract people. Like I was on a date with a guy the other week and he's like, so you go to bed at 1030. I'm like, I go to bed at 930. He's like, that is so attractive because you're waking up early and you're writing every morning. I'm like, yeah. He's like, tell me more about your boundaries. And I was like, oh, dang, like this is so cool. And now that I have these stronger boundaries, people like that and good people with really good boundaries for themselves are starting to be attracted into my life which has never happened before because I've never been here before. And it's so cool. I love it. I love it. It makes me want to get up from this chair and run <laughs> around the room and be like, we're doing it. We're really growing. This is so cool because it is exciting. I can see the, traje the trajectory of as like it, it makes me, and this is where we get to that woo woo thing, but I don't care because I believe it of just like, our minds create matter. There's mm -hmm. too much evidence to support the fact that our minds create matter. If you're not sure, go read the habit or the, the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Just, I mean, like there's too much evidence to support that what I put out there becomes real. And so as you continue to behave in this way, your frequency has shifted. Yeah. And the people that you attract are attracted to your new frequency. Mm-hmm. I read a tweet last night that I don't know if it I'm was sorry, but it's an X. I don't know what it is. I'm oh, kidding. whatever. Is it called we, a tweet still? I don't know. I have totally, no idea. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't tweet know. X. I don't know what to call it. You guys know what the website <laughs> yeah, yeah. is. It was a bird. Now it's an X. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Where it said that like they summarized 50 years of psychology research into one sentence, which was people by and large become what they think of themselves. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is, this is exactly what you were just saying. And it's backed by by research studies, 50 mm. years of research studies, people become what they think of themselves. I just sent you a podcast that's all about self-worth. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. Because she definitely, this is a founder of a massive successful company who just wrote this book all about self-worth and just cool. uh, extremely high performer. Cool. And she just is like all these years into being this massive success. And I still didn't think I think I want to say it was I think it was Oprah she said that gave wow. her her phone number four years before she actually used it because she didn't think that like she was worthy oh I relate so hard to that <laughs> yeah okay I wanted to okay so let me ask I think that we've gotten pretty clear on this but your choice to develop these new skills for life you would say, what have they done for you? 
I'm going to take a minute to yep. think about that. Yep. They've allowed me to move from exploring my word world externally to finding the rich internal world within me. And when I find that, I actually accomplish more externally because I'm taking away all of the distractions and I'm able to get really clear on what actually matters to me and go and do the thing. So I feel, and there's not a word in the English language I looked at in the dictionary. It's like, a, like I feel simultaneously completely energized, motivated, over the moon, like every single day, even when I'm having a bad day, because I finally am working towards the things that matter to me. And I finally believe that they are possible. And I finally feel like I'm treating myself with love and that I am worthy of love. And that is just hella cool. Uh, way cool. Yeah. That alone, that is, thank you. I love it. And here we go. You know, we talk about like wanting, like getting up early every day and like being so motivated for life. Mm -hmm. And that's been such a crazy cool thing after so many years of not identifying that way. Yeah. And I was listening to a different podcast and the guy was like, you know, that you found your soul's calling. Like he's like, I can tell in 10 seconds if somebody does, because there's a general energy and a lack of procrastination. And when I listened to that just a couple months ago, I'm like, I don't know if I will ever find that. I, maybe that's just not possible for me. And now that I feel it, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to speak to, if somebody's in the procrastination stage of things, like that's not a, you know, you're not stuck, I think is the thing to say there yes. is you're not stuck because you were there. I was there. We're in stages right now that we're genuinely a lot more happy about. Uh, we're like stoked on, mm -hmm. but I certainly remember. And, and for me, what did that look like? It looked, it looked like clearing out all of the, the junk that was numbing me. Yes. Uh, and, and continuing to work on that because we still, you and I talk about what is my current struggle eating after 8 p.m mm -hmm. you know that's what I'm, I'm currently working on I've eliminated added sugar and I'm super grateful for that I've eliminated substances and I'm super grateful for that they have all given me access to this higher frequency of self and so those are my experiences but they're working quite well I still have more work left to do that it's only it's just been a net win so I'm just gonna keep on going yeah and you said something yesterday that I've been thinking about which is like bargaining with yourself mm-hmm I did that last night. I went to bed a little too late and I noted it and I'm like, I'm bargaining with myself. Mm -hmm. And back when I was stuck in addiction, that's all I did was bargain with myself. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. Gosh, I just feel so for myself and for all of us that we're are in addiction mm -hmm. because there's this little voice in the back of my head that knew the truth, but it was so drowned out by all of everything else and the justifications, and all so of on. the, yeah, all mm -hmm. the justifications and the reasoning. But there was this little voice and like, I didn't know that it was possible for me to be passionate about life. I didn't know it was possible for me to have big goals that I was working for. I didn't even know it was possible for me to not even care if I succeeded at those goals as long as I went for them. Mm -hmm. And like, it's out there. And if I can do it, like, and I know that everybody says this when they get there. Yeah. And so maybe it doesn't even matter because I don't think I would have even listened to myself two years ago. But it is possible. Hey, you get to speak it. You get to speak it. And we talked about too with the bargaining with self, one of the tools that we're trying to use and you and I both in different domains of life are potentially the same, but some different domains of life. We're going, what are like, what are some different tools that we're picking up mm -hmm. and trying to make those things a true priority in order to adhere to those things more frequently. And one of the things we talked about was turning our gaze towards where we're headed mm -hmm. because that bargain with self, yeah. those justifications of actions if I think about when I take actions that go against what I'm 
striving to work towards so often it's some version of some justification that is uh from from my past and i'm not headed there yeah and so trying then so this is great because as we're talking about this right now now i'm gonna think about this whenever i can because this is what i'm working on right now you know and so whether it's tonight or tomorrow night or saturday night or whatever night that it is when i start to bargain with self i get to go am i am i looking in the past or am i looking to where i'm headed yes and i'm not saying it's going to be perfect because i get to be human and get to be imperfect but like that's helpful to me Yes. Yeah. You said something yesterday that I thought was so cool, which is like a three-step process, which I'm starting to use now, even though it's only been 24 hours. <laughs> and so I'm going to use like an example from this last week. Uh, so I, part of my codependency is sometimes a guy will just hit me like a drug. I will meet a man and it will just be like, I took a hit of something. And I ran into one of these guys from my past and it made me feel that way. So what I did was I recognized that I was bargaining with myself. This guy was making me feel like trash about myself. But I was like, well, he's magical. He has all these magical qualities that don't exist in anybody else. (laughs) 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 And then the second step that you said is to be kind to yourself. In the past, I would have shamed myself and gone down like what I like to call a shame spiral, Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, I'm just not good enough for him. I'll never be worthy. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, why why does he notice me but not notice me enough? I bet like the person he's going to choose to end up with is so much more beautiful, more blah, 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 more blah. Instead of that, I'm being kind to myself. I'm like, it's okay that I feel this way. I'm human and this guy is toxic and there's just something about him that just love me some toxic sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then the final step is to look forward to the future and be like, well, who am I going to be in the future? And it's like, oh yeah, this is never, this is never going to happen anymore. I'm in a recovery program. I work it diligently. Since him, there's been nobody that's hit me this way. And it's like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden this thing that would take me a week to work through. I can just re- keep repeating that and it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of the, when you flex the muscle, it grows is the analogy that I use all the time with the gym stuff that could be applied to any of these things in life with building the boundaries and how, when you first started to do it, it was really frictionful and now mm-hmm. it's still not without any, but it is significantly easier. And it's just, I love that concept of like the more that I, the more repetitions, the easier it gets. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, it is. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> yeah, again, I'm like, why did I say I was going to go here? But I did. So we're going to I'm here. so intrigued. Yeah. Well, anyway. So I like asked my boyfriend, Ooh. which I admitted on the last episode, um, today if I like, or I just, I just simply was like, I'm thinking about, as we're talking about this codependency thing, I'm thinking mm. about mentioning a couple of things that are relevant to today. Right. Mm. And what I love was like, just, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about mentioning these things and just encouragement to use my voice. And mm. it was so cool. Yeah. And so gratitude for that. Yeah. Uh, that should be here in a minute. Gratitudes are later anyway. But with this codependency, what I think is really cool is, uh, you and I have talked a lot about what I'm currently navigating, right. Mm-hmm. And, and how this person is showing up differently. And I think, I don't know yet again, I just kind of want to share some stuff more than anything. I don't know if this will be wildly relatable for anyone else. I don't know if it will be totally unrelatable. I don't know if it'll be useful or not, but some Mm -hmm. of the things that have stood out to me that you and I have been talking about, and so this isn't new news for you, but I do want to just put it here, Mm -hmm. is some of the stuff like what we've talked about, how it's been fun for me to be, you know, exploring this new relationship with someone who has a lot of their own life going on. And so I am a driven individual who has a lot of life going on. And this individual is extremely driven Mm -hmm. and has a lot going on. And so some of the things that we've had to like 
converse through, which has been so beautiful to be able to do. But of, of even, you know, on when he's gone for, for a a lot doing different activities or whatever, for me to have to check myself and go, my history tells me that like, you're supposed to just become obsessed with me. Like I'm just supposed to be the sun, moon and stars, right? Like, Mm -hmm. duh. Hello. It's me. I shit rainbows. (laughs) Um, and to have this person being so driven in their own life to where like they do prioritize quality time with me, but they have a lot of other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So I've had to check my ego along the way and be Mm -hmm. like, that never worked for me historically. Anyway, anytime I actually got into any sort of partnership with someone who did treat me that way, eventually I, I left. Yeah. So with love for each of these individuals, like that didn't, I guess, even though I thought that's what I wanted, maybe that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. And so it's been really fun. And then on the other side of it, I I did talk to him, you know, it's just like, he's, he's concerned at times about, is he present enough? Right. Mm. Because he's got these big lofty goals. And so since he's choosing to also date me, you know, it's like, well, I, I, now I need to prioritize this in conjunction with these other things. And, uh, and it's been so cool for me at this stage and we're all just one day at a time out here. Right. But to be like, I'd rather admire you. Yeah. Then like be free to have you just sitting around waiting on me. Yeah. You know, like dude, inspire me. Yeah. Go do your thing and I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. That's been really fun. And I think that like, I'm no expert, but it just seems to me like it's probably coming from a place of increased self-esteem on your part. Like I had a friend who was going through something similar where she would pick these men and she would become their world. And in her case, she was like, it's because I felt safe. Because if I was their world, then they would never hurt me. They would never leave me. I knew that I was certain there. Now, I don't know if that's your background or not, but I just see you picking somebody that that's, that's gone because mm-hmm. you don't need that area of safety. You can pick somebody who is somebody that you can sit back and admire and be like, no, I know that I'm freaking awesome mm-hmm. and that I don't need that anymore. That's just something that I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just mind blowing. Yeah. I'm so happy for your friend. I don't even know her and I'm thrilled for her. Yeah. She's awesome. Because that's like a really big deal and to come to understand that maybe there were past beautiful, loving or lovely versions of you who, you know, I don't know. I just thinking about that. I'm like, I just have so much love for every, you know, for, for past me. Yeah. And like, Oh, she was learning. She still is learning literally actively right now. I know I have all sorts of blind spots. I don't even know about, you know? Yeah. But, uh, okay. I wanted to share that here because we talk about it. And so thank you for letting me share. Yeah. Okay. One thing it's like very general. So, but like something that I've noticed that you and Jimmy both do is what we were just talking about, like earlier, clarity and kindness, Uh whatever you guys are walking, like, like as you guys grow through your relationship, you've tackled everything with clarity and kindness together. Mm-hmm. And that is so hard to do. And it takes a lot of nuance and it's subtlety and you both have been so good at it. Yeah. And I'm just super impressed and I hope I can get there. Like yeah. it's so cool. Well, so I think that's, that's through the lens of romantic, but obviously codependency can come in the form of, or, any, you know, relational stuff can come in the form of whether it's parent or friend or oh, whatever. Absolutely. And so like, thank you. And that's where I just have to say, like, I have to commend him for being willing to bring things up and air things out in such respectful ways. So far, it's been very just like, 
on the job learning for me. And I'm like, whoa, like you're, thank you. Like you are giving me access to new options that I just didn't have before. And then from there, I'm going to take it to you now because you and I have a relationship because there's no way that I get to be just your trainer and I don't get to care about you. You know, I was actually speaking to one of the girls that was at the gym yesterday. She's just, uh, she was just training. She left and she said, by the way, um, it's obvious that you love what you do, you know? And she was saying you were just on the floor there, like with your client, like with them, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. The concept of not being with the whole human doesn't make sense to me. Totally. So I just feel so grateful that you let me in in any way. And I think what's cool too, is when we talk about this clarity and kindness thing, you, even though you're like, I just hope to get there. You do that with me all the time. That's true. Like even just yesterday, you asked me a question because you were pondering, trying to just cover your bases and make sure that you were handling a specific topic with me in a way that was like, okay, given my boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were doing that. So I I know that you know that you're practicing it, but I hope that you know that you're practicing it all over the place. Thank you. That's really good for me to keep in mind. I think, I don't know if this is a codependency or thing or a me thing, but I'm often so hard on myself. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a lot better, but there's still work to be done and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that that is, do you have anything else that you want to add on that topic? There's one more thing yep, that I it. wish that I had known that like maybe somebody else will hear and nobody that I knew talked about it, which was like, for me, I'm an artist. Like I like to write. Everybody has their form of art. And I worried that if I got better and if I wasn't addicted anymore, that I would lose the things that made me magic because my writing really flourished when I was in the throes of my addiction. I would feel passionate. That passion would come through in my art. And I thought, well, I can't get better because then I will lose my soul. It literally felt like soul death was tied to getting better. And nobody was talking about it. And the only thing I heard was, well, maybe that will happen. Maybe that won't. And I was like, I don't know if I want to get better then. But what I've noticed is that as I was continuing to write through my addiction, I was building a skill. And that skill, you can't just get rid of a skill. That memory is gonna be there no matter what. And so as I recovered, the skill remained, but then I was able to have consistency. I was able to have the confidence to put my work out there. I started meeting some of my favorite writers, people that I admire the most in the world, and connecting over our writing. And I have not lost any of that magic, and I can still tap into that magic anytime I need to as a recovered person. And I just wish somebody had told me that five years ago because I would have gotten better sooner. So I think it's the last thing I have to say. Interesting. So there was a resistance to heal because you th- it, it reminds me of literally you hear like the, the, the artists all the time, you know, the musicians or whatever that are, yeah. they're staying in their addiction or whatever, fearful of, I've literally heard comedians talk about this and uh, just, yeah, a bunch of different, different creatives in some form thinking that their creativity was going to be diminished by their choice to eliminate certain addictions. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I've even read books on writing mm-hmm. where the girl would be like, I'm depressed and that's part of my magic and that's part of why I write. And maybe she never got better and maybe she, well, maybe she never recovered. Maybe she was fine in that. I don't want to label her, but like my recovery has not made me any less creative. It has not made me any less magical. If so, it's enabled me to be more magical with my writing. And like, there's so much creativity out there. And I'm seeing so much more success and like, I just wish somebody had told me that. So yeah, like screw the idea of the tortured artist. <laughs> yeah. You can still tap into that torture. And you know what? Like if I want to go back to the throes of my addiction, I know how to do that really easily. I can always go back mm-hmm. if I decide I don't like it like this, mm-hmm. which I never will. Mm-hmm. But it's like, ah, there's like nothing to lose yeah. by, by going to a 12 step group, seeing a therapist, reading books, whatever it is. I mean, recovery looks different for everybody. Totally. Um, but yeah. 
I love you. Oh, I love you too. Okay. Uh, we're done. Now, when I say we're done, three things you're grateful for right now. I don't want to be cheesy, but the first thing that came to my head was you. Um, Guys, I'm not freaking out. You can't tell that I, I just love to be loved. <laughs> Give me those words of affirmation, please. Words of affirmation. <laughs> I just, I respect you a lot as a person. And it's so great. Like, as you said, to surround yourself with people you respect. Like, you inspire me to better be better, not only in fitness, but in spirituality. Mm. In, like, just in so many different areas. It's so cool. So, yeah. first thing is you. Ditto. <laughs> and you get... It's, we take you through fitness and we take it seriously during our sessions. We yes. definitely do. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but it's, it's great because we get to like, I respect you a lot. I want to talk to you about things Thanks. in life. So it's therapeutic for me. Yay. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, second thing I'm thankful for is this lovely weather. In the past, I used, I, I hate hot weather. I used to get to this point of the year and not even enjoy it. So we're in Texas and springtime in Texas is heaven on earth. Mm. The weather is always perfect outside. The flowers are all going to start blooming soon. It's 77 degrees right it's now. It's 77 degrees. <laughs> Sunny. I don't know what that is in Celsius if anybody's listening in Celsius, but it's a wonderful freaking temperature. <laughs> uh, and I used to just be like, oh, no, summer's coming. And I'm thankful now that I can be like, no, this this part is so freaking great. Mm -hmm. I can just be here. I can go like outside later on and just be in the sunshine and be like, this is so good. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the final thing that I'm thankful for is my daily goal of being a bitch. <laughs> um, wait, have you exercised it today or do you still yes, have to find it? Oh, I did. you did? Okay, yeah. can you tell us? Yeah. Okay. So somebody that I know hosts events and I feel like his standards have been slipping and I didn't want to go. It's like, it's not that I didn't want to go, but I felt like if I canceled on it, there would be no repercussions for me. I have always admired that he has really high standards for himself and his events. Mm. And so I reached out and I told him, I haven't gotten a response yet, but like that took a lot in the past. I would have been like, it's not my business, whatever. But I'm like, I've known this guy for three years. He's a good friend. And two other people said it to me at the party. And I'm like, he needs to know because like, I love this guy. For me, that's also being a bitch and setting a boundary is just saying the uncomfortable things out of love. Like, yeah, yeah. Like don't lose your standards, dude, because your standards are freaking awesome and they make me respect and adore you. Okay. I love that. I can't wait for the day whenever you're, you're using this skill on me. <laughs> I haven't needed to, but do it whenever, if, if anything ever comes up, I will tell you with love and be honest with you. Do it. I, I think that's the best thing that a friend can do. Yep really is. And I think yeah. that it's a skill to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, to do it with kindness is such a, you, like thinking, how can I convey a message in a way that I can be heard is such a huge thing. And I don't know if I did it right. But again, it's like when you start, you go from not having any boundaries to setting like the hardest. It's like, okay, maybe I didn't set it right. I don't know, but I'm doing it. I'm yeah. trying and I'm trying with love. So it'll get better. I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love Thanks. that so much. Okay. So my three gratitudes today are, you know what? I don't even care. They're going to be you. Oh, well, uh, yeah. You. We, and I mean, we've already done, we've adored each other for the entire episode. So everybody gets <laughs> it by now, but seriously, I really, I think it's so fun whenever I just was thinking about, you know, lining up new episodes and I was like, I really want to talk about, we talk about this topic kind of a lot and I really want to be able to like have this conversation on air. And so even though you historically released, you know, like social media or whatever, isn't necessarily your biggest shtick, mm -hmm. uh, your willingness to come share your experience and talk through this in this public format means a lot to me. Obviously just your friendship means a lot to me, Thanks. but I think that it's really cool whenever you 
have experience and you're willing to share it with vulnerability, with honesty, with clarity. Uh, it just, it means a lot. And I know that it takes away a lot of shame and guilt, any shame that may have accompanied being willing to take a look at this stuff and go, Oh my gosh, it's even there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm also grateful for podcasts that I get to listen to because mm. I was listening to the one that I sent you this morning about self-worth and, and to me almost that word or that phrase, whatever sounds kind of woo woo, but like, I love the way that this woman conveyed it. If you are listening to this and you want me to send that to you, just send me a DM on whatever social and I'll get it to you. Uh, but it was on the skinny confidential. I can't even remember what the name of the guest was. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, it was really good and it talks about self-worth in the title. So, uh, the third thing is I, I want to jump in real yeah, quick yeah, yeah. and just be like, it is so freaking cool. The most interesting people with the most groundbreaking ideas are available within three feet of us. We just have to pick up our phone, find mm -hmm. an episode and we can listen to like anything this is harry potter level stuff this is magic yep how cool is it we get to live in yep. this era okay that's all no i totally agree it's what i say all the time i'm like yeah you choose the people around you so i choose to go hang yes. out with the hormoses every day yes you know as totally. like an example but it's like yeah. obviously to be clear these people they do not know me <laughs> yet uh yet, yet. <laughs> but They've given me so many ideas that I have tremendous gratitude and respect for. I get to choose them as my mentors thanks to the internet. Yeah. Dope. So cool. Yeah. So the third thing that I'm grateful for today, I think is going to be actually uh, Matt. Shout out Matt. He came on Sunday and did some video shooting with me and it was so cool. And I just think that yet again, the connections that can be made thanks to um, this world's just small. Your connection, you know, who he he just, he just showed up and had time and chose to do really cool work. I, I, everything about it, that connection is just kind of serendipitous. It's thanks to the internet got us connected further, but we were at an event. Uh, both of us were, and I just, I don't know, like getting somebody's time in that way gives me a lot of like, wow, this is really cool. You know, there are so many good humans out there mm -hmm. who are just seeking other good humans. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, shout out Matt. Thanks for your time. So I think that's it. We, anything else, anything else from you? No, it's good. Okay. We crushed it. I appreciate you. And if you are still listening, I should mention that, uh, if you want to work with me coaching online, you can definitely do that. I have group and one-to-one -one offerings. If you go to clairebayscoach.com, you can read more about what that is. You get your own, uh, programming, customized fitness programming in it. You get meal plans and you also get access to either group or one-to-one -one video call coaching. And so all the details are there. You can always just slide into my DMS wherever and inquire about that stuff. But, and then if you're local to the Austin area, of course we can have a conversation about actually training in person. But, um, I just, I just appreciate you guys for being here and that's it. We hope that you choose to have a beautiful day. That's a wrap.